Real quick, guys, if you could think about how you found this podcast, maybe it was on Facebook, Instagram, maybe somebody shared it with you. I don't run ads for the show or have sponsorships, so the only way this grows is through word of mouth. If this was valuable for you in any way, the only ask that I can make is that you share it with somebody else. Pass it on to the next person whose investing journey or business can be changed by listening to the show. Much love, guys, and let's get into the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Learn Like a CPA show. I'm your host, Ryan Bakey, and today we are going to talk about terms every real estate investor should know. When you join and you get into real estate, a lot of people throw around terms very loosely, and some people don't always know what terms mean, and people will say terms, and people have a different connotation of what they think that they mean. And so today's podcast is going to be around setting the record straight on what a lot of these terms mean and what they're actually supposed to mean in in context definition. So the first term we're going to talk about is going to be profitability metrics. So we're going to talk today we're going to talk about profitability metrics. We're going to talk about some tax terms and then we're going to talk about some entity terms, entity structuring terms. So when it comes to profitability, that's going to measure the financial performance of your rental portfolio. So just to start with, we'll, we'll start really easy, gross revenue. So gross revenue is going to represent the total rental income that you get from that property in a given year, whether it's long-term rental, mid-term rental, short-term rental, gross revenue. Now, for financial reporting purposes, it would be really great, especially with Airbnb or Verbo, they are normally including cleaning fees, taxes, all in that revenue figure. And so you, you want to back those out of your number in order to determine a true gross revenue rental income for a property. Moving on, we're going to have net operating income. So net operating income, or you might hear people say NOI for short, is going to represent the total amount of income generated by a property after deducting all the expenses, but before deducting mortgage, principal, and interest payments. So for this purpose, you're going to take the gross revenue of the property, you're gonna subtract out all the expenses, except the mortgage, principal, and interest. You do include the insurance and you do include taxes in purposes of this calculation. Why? Well, net operating income is a great metric for determining whether or not the property is a good deal on its own. And what I mean by this is, net operating income will tell you if that single investment is a good investment, that's what NOI net operating income will tell you. Whether it's a good deal for you or not depends on your debt service. So net, net operating income, whether I or you or another investor goes to buy the property, our net operating income should not change. What is going to change is how we fund the deal. Are you putting 10% down versus 20% down? You know, the more money that you have in the deal, the less cash on cash return you're going to have. And so again, net operating income doesn't change, but your cash on cash does change. And that's the next metric that I wanna get into is cash on cash return or COC for short. So cash on cash is gonna represent your total outlay of cash that goes into a, an investment. So your down payment, closing costs, staging costs, renovation costs, you're gonna compare those costs to how much money you're making in profit per year. Now, for in profit per year is going to be all expenses paid. You're gonna take that net operating income and you're gonna back out all the other expenses, mortgage, mortgage principal payment and mortgage interest. So 
Net, net operating income, is the property a good investment or not? Period. What doesn't matter who buys it. That's what net operating income is going to tell you. What cash on cash is going to tell you is based on my specific scenario and how much cash that I have to bring to the, to the table, is that deal a good deal for me or not? Because I could be putting 10% down. You could be doing 25% down. You might get a seller financing deal where you don't have to come up with as much money out of pocket. Is the, good de is the deal a good deal or not? Net operating income. Is the deal a good deal for me? Cash on cash return. Okay. So those are some profitability metrics that I want to talk about. The last profitability metric before we kind of move on is going to be this idea of cash on equity return. Okay. Cash on equity return. You might've heard me talk about doing a audit of your portfolio. This is something that we do for uh, higher level clients, people who have very big portfolios. We do a cash on equity audit of their portfolio. And what we do is we look at the net equity of each one of their properties. So let's say you had a property, um, you bought it for 300 grand, you put 20% down. So you have $60,000 of equity in it and then it goes up to 500K. Well, you have your 60 grand of equity, plus it went up $200,000, so your, your total equity would be 260K. But let's say that that property is only making you something like 20 grand a year, okay? If you do 260,000, which is your net equity, and you divide that by 20, you'll find that it might take you 30 years to pay back how much you have in equity today, and so, if you do 30 goes into 100, 3.2 times. And so that's the equivalent of making a 3% return on your money per year. Very bad cash on equity audit. And so what we do for clients is we have them what we call reposition their portfolio. And when I say reposition, I don't just mean sell. A reposition could be a HELOC, a refinance, it could be selling, it could be 1031ing into something else. But when you look at your portfolio, especially people in California, Austin, Texas, anywhere in Texas, if, Smoky Mountains, if you've owned real estate, you know, if you bought real estate within the last five years, it's probably gone up in value a lot. The question is, is your money working hard enough for you, right? So there is a difference between cash on cash return and cash on equity. And a lot of people ask me this, what's the difference? Because there is. So, hey guys, just want to interrupt the podcast to let you know that if you enjoy the podcast and the content that's in it, you would love my Tax Strategy Academy. This is going to give you the framework for developing all your tax plans for the entire year, whether you're a long-term rental, short-term rental investor. You're going to get a one-on-one -on -one call with me to map out your tax plan, and you're going to get access to weekly office hours where you can come and ask your personal questions. So if you're interested in learning more, go check out the link in the show notes below. And now back to the show. So there's a difference between how much my money that I invest is making me versus how much money do I have at stake that what is what is that making me? So in that example, you know, I'm only $60,000 in, but I'm making 20 grand a year. Okay, awesome. My cash on cash return is 30%. But if the property goes up $200,000 in value, my cash on equity returns only 3%. Do you see the difference? Moving on to tax terms. The first term we're going to talk about is the concept of depreciation. So depreciation is a very interesting term. It is an interesting concept because we tend to go, we tend to think that real estate appreciates in value. It goes up in value over time. And that is true normally. As long as your property is not next to a dump truck plant or, you know, sometimes section eight housing, 
your real estate is probably going to go up in value over time. However, the IRS de determines that your building structure actually loses value over time. And so you could think of this as easy as imagine buying a dishwasher now versus five or 10 years ago, the dishwasher now is going to cost way more than a dishwasher five or 10 years ago. And that's exactly what happens with our properties. The content, the, the components, the structure of the building loses value over time. And the IRS gives us deductions for that known as depreciation. One of the ways that we're able to accelerate that depreciation, and this kind of goes back to my whole tax planning metaphor is we want to be able to speed up those deductions. A cost segregation study is actually going to allow us to speed up some of that depreciation. So if I bought a $390,000 short-term rental and they're depreciated over 39 years, I'm only getting 10K of depreciation per year. Well, if I did a cost segregation study, on average, I'm gonna be able to take about 20% of that purchase of that price in the first year. So instead of only getting 10 grand of depreciation, I might be getting $80,000 of depreciation, being able to speed up those deductions. The next term we're gonna talk about is a passive activity. And so the way you could think about this is that all the money that you make basically gets lumped into two different buckets. It's either going to be considered non-passive or passive, two different buckets. So non-passive income is going to be your W-2 job, your 1099, your retirement income, social security, gambling income. If anybody gambles, I've been to Vegas a few times, I gamble. That's all non-passive income. Passive income is going to be any rental real estate. And so normally these two do not talk to each other. So if you're a, if you're a doctor making half a million dollars a year and you own rental properties, they're normally not going to let you offset your doctor income with your rental losses. But that's what we teach on the podcast. That is what I teach you guys is how can you actually use those losses that are generated from real estate to offset your, to offset your doctor income, to offset your non-passive income. The next tax term we're going to talk about is going to be capital gains. So one of the most advantageous thing about real estate is that as your real estate goes up in value or, and this doesn't have to just be real estate, but it could also be stocks, right? As your real estate or stocks go up in value, what's great is that income, instead of that income being taxed at super high tax rates, what are called marginal tax rates, all the way up to 37%. Uh, my friends that live in California, you're paying 50% on all your income if you're a super high earner. Capital gains rates, the max that you're going to pay is 20%. So right away, getting your money into real estate or investments, stocks and bonds, you're going to take advantage of capital gains tax rates, which are maxed at 20%, rather than having to pay a max of 37% if you were to earn that money at a day job. So that's why it's super important. We call it converting the bag, taking your income from your W-2 or your business and putting it into real estate or putting it into some form of investment. So that way you're going to pay less taxes down the road. And quite frankly, it's a lot easier than showing up to work every day and making the money. Going on to entity terms. So this is going to be legal structure. This is going to be how do I set everything up? Should I have an LLC? Should I not? We're going to talk about entity terms. Okay. So before I get into all of them, what I want you to take away, if you take away anything from this podcast today, you do not want to hold rental real estate in corporations, whether that's a C corp or you might, you might have heard of what an S corp is. You do not want to hold rental real estate or quite frankly, anything that goes up in value. You do not want to hold rental real estate inside of corporations. It's very tax disfavorable. 
not good at all. Very bad consequences will happen if you do that. So please, if you're going to hold rental real estate, it's going to be in your personal name with really damn good insurance. It's going to be in a single member LLC or it's going to be in a multi-member LLC taxed as a partnership. So let's get into some of the entity terms. So the first one is going to be sole proprietorship. So super easy. You could think of this as like a lemonade stand. If I go out and I have a lemonade stand outside, technically that's a sole proprietorship. There's no paperwork that's filed with the state. There's nothing that's filed online. I'm in business. I'm a sole proprietor. I have a lemonade stand, right? I'm going to report that income on my tax return. A single member LLC, on the other hand, is where you go to your secretary of state and you file for a, for a business and you say, I want to be uh, an LLC, a limited liability company. So that is a separate entity and it's called a single member LLC. Sole proprietor, single member LLC, both filed the same way when it comes to uh, tax purposes. And if you want to know, you know, whether or not you should set up a single member LLC, multi-member LLC, I have that in a previous podcast. So go check it out. Uh, at the show notes below. Moving on to a multi-member LLC. So anytime you're going to own real estate with more than one person or a business with more than one person, you're going to want to set up a multi-member LLC because that is telling the state that there's multiple owners here in this situation. There's multiple people that own this property. And that's what you want to tell the state as well as the IRS. The next entity term is what's going to be called an S corporation. So remember that I said you do not want to hold rental real estate inside of corporations. However, for people who are running a active trader business, whether it's a CPA firm, property management company, if they're doing co-hosting, if they're a realtor, having an S corporation on average can save you almost five figures in taxes per year if you're running a trader business. But again, do not hold rental real estate inside of S corporations. So to recap the podcast, we talked a lot, a lot. We talked about profitability metrics. We talked about tax terms. We talked about entity structuring. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I still respond to all my DMs and I will personally answer your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with a friend so you can share the knowledge and more people can learn about real estate.